0: The reading today is from 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and the one who loves is born of God and knows God. Beloved, if God so loved us, We also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and God's love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in God and God in us. Because God has given us of God's own spirit. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We love because God first loved us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in the one who loves. Now, this is the third in a series uh, that we're doing about what happens when we drop down from our rational minds into our hearts. And if you've missed the other ones, you can catch up on the podcasts and there are little red leaflets saying how to do that. But if you want to see, listen to the other ones. I mean, in the first week, we looked at uh, what it is to be true to ourselves. That uh, quote from Thomas Merton about being true to the concept that God utters in me. Because if I'm true to the thought Of God that I was meant to embody, I shall be full of His actuality and find Him everywhere in myself and find myself nowhere. Being true to yourself, being true to the concept that God utters in us. And in order to do that, we have to drop down out of our minds into our hearts. And the result of that is open hearted living, which I talked about last week. The idea of living courageously, literally from the word courageously, from the Latin word core, which means heart, living without judgment, living without trying to influence one outcome or another in our lives. The result of not being attached to what our minds tell us is that our hearts open. When we're not attached to what our minds continue to tell us, our hearts open. And living in an open-hearted way is going into that. It's truly dropping into our hearts and living from there. And the result of that is that our relationships change. When we live from our hearts rather than from our minds, our relationships change. We don't react or lash out in the same way. We're not surviving. We're living and loving as a part of the flow of the universe. When we're open hearted we're living and loving as part of the flow of the universe, which is what it is to come from a position of love rather than a position of survival. It's the difference between living from love rather than survival. And I think, you know, that reading from 1 John really sums that up. I suggested last week that, that love is the fundamental currency that makes the world go around, that that fundamentally in all things, it is that loving presence, that urge, which really makes the world go around. Love is the ground of being. And it states that right at the beginning of that reading. It says, let us love one another because love is from God. And if you come from a place of loving, then you're living in God. Then you're living in that fundamental beingness. Because if we're receiving the love of God, we should pass on that love to one another. You know, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. We, we don't understand who or what God is. And that's, that's what it means when it says no one has seen God. But we are alive because we've received God's love. We, re, we don't understand why we're here, but we're alive because we've received that fundamental, and God's a problematic word. You know, we're really talking about that fundamental creative urge, that love, which we call God, whatever it is that's there. And you know, it says in that reading, "By this, you know, we've known and seen God, but by this we know we abide in God and God in us, because we have the Spirit of life within us, because we're alive. We know that we're we're living within that. There is no fear in love, and perfect love casts out fear." That's what it is to live in an open-hearted way. We're not subject to the fears and the worries of the mind. We love because God first loved us, it says. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in the one who loves. And, you know, I think that's one of the clearest statements of us being a part of a universal flow of love. We're all part of that universal flow and free will is choosing to be part of that universal flow rather than trying to make it up in our minds and forge our way forward. It is just giving up to the fact we are living in love. Jesus said, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you it is a a universal flowing of love. And and today we're talking about the whole nature of loving relationships. And if we're living in a universal flow of love, then it involves all our relationships. And and that's a key thing, to be that our relationships are founded on that love. You know, love is in me. You realize that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I am in you. The other word of saying that is, is love is in me and love is in you. And The other phrase from Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is within us. That universal nature exists as a fundamental part of our relationship. Whether or not you assent to that or not, that is what's there. This is the description of the cosmos seen through the lens of love being the prime mover. And you know, it is so stated in most of the other religions as being exactly that way. In the Upanishads, it says, in the heart of all things. The Upanishads says, in the heart of all things, of whatever there is in the universe, dwells the Lord, or love. Love alone is reality. Wherefore, renouncing vain appearances, rejoice in love. Covert no man's wealth. Don't look outside that. Don't try and get what you want. The self is one. Love is one. Unmoving, it moves swifter than thought. There again, the idea of the heart being beyond the mind. The senses do not overtake it, for always it moves not. From the ignorant it is far distant, yet it is near. It is within all, it is without all. He who sees all beings being in the self or in love, and the self being all beings, hates none, goes before, remains still, outstrips all that run. Without the self, there is no life. Without love, there is no life. A statement of love being at the center. And in the Taoist scripture, the Tao Te Ching, it says, empty your minds of all thoughts and let your heart be at peace. When you realize where you come from, you naturally become tolerant, disinterested, amused, kind-hearted as a grandmother, dignified as a king, immersed in In the wonder of the Tao, or of love, you can deal with whatever life brings you. And when death comes, you are ready. So, no matter where you look at it from, the understanding of love is in there within the culture of, of all the great religions. The understanding that love is at the foundation of everything. And that sense of coming from something greater that we call love. You know, Eliot, in the Four Quartets, he says... With the drawing of this love, with the drawing of this love and the voice of this calling, the calling of love, we shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all our exploring, the end of everything, will be to arrive where we started and to know the place for the first time. The end of everything, the end of all our lives, will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. It is to arrive back in love. I'm just going to pause a moment. If you want to come in, please do. And there's a Sunday school downstairs. So if you want to take you downstairs, so do feel free to come in if you want to. So that is the nature of it. We arrive. The understanding of love is where we are meant to arrive at. The idea that there is nowhere to go. I mean, that's quite a relief, really. And yet we do strive, you know. But really, The place to go, the only place really to go is to arrive at that point of love. There is nowhere to go. There is no outcome to forestall. There is no judgment to make, but there is just that living in love. We are a key part of the flow and development of that love in the world. We, human beings, are a key part of that flow and of love and development in the world. Up to now that love has given itself to the creation of all things. However you like to explain it all, you know, the big bang, whatever you like to do to explain it, it is a fundamental life-giving force that is there. But in humanity, that life-giving force has created something that can reflect back enough to realize its place in love and to amplify that love giving out. You know, we're the first to really be able to reflect back at the nature of of ourselves within creation, to reflect back at the nature of love within ourselves and therefore to amplify it. You know, a plant cannot really self-reflect and love back. It can only do what it does. It can grow and it can produce oxygen, which is its loving contribution to all of us. And animals can't really self-reflect. They can only react and respond to what they feel. And again, that's their contribution, and they continue to make that contribution. But as humans, we can see and work out where we are in the pattern of life. We can look back and we can look forward. We can reflect on our actions. And in so doing, we can realize our potential. And the purpose of all this religious religions and all those writings, is for us to realize our potential. You know, that that writing in 1 John is to tell you this is the way it is. It is us reflecting on our potential and saying this is the way it is. A potential that involves not just reacting and surviving, but actually moving beyond our minds to become love. Incarnation. Incarnate. Flesh it is the Spirit becoming flesh in us and prompting us to do what we would never think was possible. The Spirit prompts us to do what we couldn't imagine ourselves if we allow it to. It is because it goes beyond thinking. Which is why Jesus' two great commands were to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. That, that is his summation. It is fundamentally about love. And notice the heart comes first. We are not, you know, we are not minded to love. We open our hearts to love and our minds follow that. And that's key. You know, we're looking at a movement here. If there is a movement in the transformation of consciousness that is happening, if there is an evolutionary movement, if there is a driver there, Right now, the place we're in is the movement from the mind being the prime mover in humanity to the heart. That is the shift. That is the shift that we represent here at the chapel. That is the shift that is being talked about in places like this all over the world is the shift into the heart. And it's the heart that leads if the mind Allows it to, and someone said, well, "You know, why isn't the why not the church got it right? You know, why is why is it all about the mind? It's because we're so young in this. I mean, you know, that old thing that if the world was the exact do you have the Britannica here? Do you? Is that an English thing or is it American thing? So, exactly. if the world was the exactitude Britannica and the whole of creation, you know, we'd be on the last page, the last sentence of the last chapter. We are right at the beginning of this." We're young. Humanity is young. And it's just going beyond surviving is the next step of it. So for us, just to be practical, we get there. We drop down into our hearts from our minds. We allow our greater self, that spirit of the divine of God to guide us. We're open and we're ready for God's love to be perfected in us. We're sent to being a conduit for love. You know, so what next? You know, how do we actually do it? you know how do you make it happen and the emphasis has to be on not engaging the mind in trying to work out what to do but to engage the mind in being open to the moment it's not engaging the mind in working out what to do it's to engage the mind in being open to the present moment you know it's easy to say this is how we recognize love you know you're you're kind you don't react you don't judge You don't try to push one another, you know, for an outcome. You don't blame. You know, one Corinthians says it perfectly. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And that enables us to recognize love when we see it. We can recognize it, because there's a description. We can recognize it and recognize what is not loving when we see that. But funny enough, it doesn't help us be loving. It is a description, and our minds can try and work out how to be like that, but we're still in our minds when we're just trying to work it out like that. In order to actually work out how to do that, we have to turn to ideas like do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's good and perfect will is. You have to go beyond that. You have to go into a deeper place be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, the Tao Te Ching says it. It says, the master keeps her mind always at one with the Tao. That is what gives her radiance. The Tao is ungraspable. You know, they say similar to these things. It's ungraspable. How can her mind be at one with it? Because she doesn't cling to ideas. The Tao is dark and unfathomable. How does it make her radiant? Because she lets it. Since before time and space were, the Tao is. Since before time and space were, love is. It is beyond, is and is not. It is beyond is and is not. How do I know this is true? I look inside myself and see. The heart tricks the mind. If you get it right and you're in the present, the heart tricks the mind into going along with it. Not working out what to do, but... Keeping our mind always at one with the Tao, at one with love, with our hearts. How can our mind be at one? It says, because she doesn't cling to ideas. I mean, it's quite straightforward, actually. You know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because it doesn't cling to ideas. The ideas, you know, the the instructions are there. We have to be of that mind in order to love. And again, once again, we're back at mindfulness. Mindfulness. You have to be aware of your mind in order to be able to focus it on your heart. You have to be aware of your mind to make make sure it focuses on the present moment. You have to be at one with the Tao, at one with love, at one with the present moment. And if there is one aspect of the mind that's not released, if there's one aspect you hold on to, then you're still held captive by your mind. John of the Cross says, it makes little difference whether a bird is tied by a thin thread or a cord. Even if it be tied by a thread, the bird will be held bound just as surely as it was held by a cord, as long as that thread does not break. So it doesn't really matter whether you're fully held by your mind or you've just got one thought that you don't want to get lower, let go of. You're still held by the thread. The bird is still there. It's an ongoing process of aligning ourselves to love, not one of trying to work out what the loving thing is to do. There's a difference. See the difference between aligning ourselves to love and trying to work out what the loving thing to do? We have to be in the stream of love, not hovering above it and trying to work out which way it's going. We have to be in the stream. And that's what's meant by unconditional love. It is a love beyond judgment. It is unconditional. It is being in the stream. It's amazing. People have been trying to work out how to love for centuries. You know, what would Jesus do? How do I become a bodhi And actually, you know, if you want to look up, you know, this is how the Buddhists tell you how to love. This, these are the mind things. You have to strive for enlightenment. Find your path of all-embracing love. Take care of yourself. Get help from an enlightened master. Find yourself a personal role model. Find yourself a sangha, a group of spiritual friends. See the suffering of the world. You know, in Every religion, they want to work out, that's the Buddhist way, right? that's how you love. The mind wants an answer to how to love. And we're always trying to work out what to do and how to do it. But really, there is no answer. There is only keeping our mind always at one with the Tao. Keeping our mind always at one in, pre- in the present moment. And right now, it's not about, you know, working out how you put it into action. It's about being present, totally open, non-judgmental to this moment, to what I'm saying. And just loving what is happening, what is going on right now in the room. It is, is a presence. Realizing that we love, not because we try, but because God loved us first. I mean, that's such a relief as well. You know, it's, it's there. As, as Elliot says, we will arrive at the, at the place of the beginning, you know, at the end, we'll realise for the first time where we always were. So, how does that translate into day-to-day relationships? You know, when you're dealing with your family, you know, it's all well and good for me to rabid on up here about all this stuff, but has it some bearing on the way that we live our lives? Loving relationships are those that are free, and for us to live in loving relationships with those around us, we have to let them. We have to have them be free of judgment, which is very difficult in a family. Can you be free of judgment with your friends? And also free of a desire for one outcome or another. We always want to make it in a way that we think it should work. In other words, we have to let go of the desire to shape and manipulate those relationships. And the trouble is we spent our lives trying to work out how to shape and manipulate our relationships to get what we want. That's the mind surviving. We have to let go of that. Our fear, or the mind's fear, is is that if we let go of our desire to control those around us, we will lose out. They will leave us, or treat us harshly, or unlovingly. Often in these circumstances, love becomes a trade. I will do this for you, so long as you do this for me. That's not love. That's business. I married you. It's just business. It's one, you know, I think Greg wrote this, but in one of our wedding services, it says, of love, I think Greg did write this, your real task is not to be alike, but to be together. Not to mould, but to receive. I married someone on the top of the mountain this week, and I said this to them. Not to mould, but to receive, and not to change the other, but to abide with one another. It is through this accent of acceptance that you, that you will truly fulfill love's purposes. It is through your giving that you will gain. The more you let each one be, the closer you will become, as God loves us for who we are, social you. That's from the Gospel of Greg Anderson. But it's right. I mean, really, you know, it fits. And that really sums up the true nature of loving relationships. I'm on the last page, so don't panic. The mind is going, when are you going to stop? It's about letting go that I'm going to stop. It's about letting go of our ideas of how other people should be or how they should treat you. Letting go, being the, letting them be the way they are rather than the way you think they should be, even if it's at your cost. Letting them be the way they are. Rather than, you know, we just want to make them, Quarter and nicer and more considerate, you know. Even then, the mind is coming up with shoulds and oughts. That comes when we hold on to our minds and our thoughts. But when we're in our hearts rather than our minds, then we naturally love because love comes from God. And it's such an obvious thing. Love is not an idea to be thought out and activated. It is a flow that we become a part of, and that is not a product of the mind. When we're in that flow, when we're focused on the Tao, when we're living in the love of God, then God abides in us, and God's love is perfected in us. We become part of the love of, of God's love of creation and of the evolution of all things, and the people around us also become a part of that. Now, just quick caveat. I'm not saying that we should continue to live in inappropriate or abusive relationships. I'm not saying that. We should not accept situations that do not nourish us. That's what our minds are for. They're there to work out what's hurting us and what's nourishing us. If we find ourselves in those situations, we should get out, not try and accept the situations. What I'm talking about here is a situation where we want to work out how to love more. How do I love this person more? How do I go further with, with this person? When we're trying to work that out, how do I deepen this relationship in love? You know, That's when we, we do this. We may already feel that there's a wonderful loving basis to this. or or that relationship, a friend, or brother, a lover, a wife. We've gone as far as we can with our minds. You know, how do we take it deeper? Well, this is what I'm talking about here, of dwelling in our hearts rather than our minds, of letting go, of not moulding or manipulating, of being with that person in the present moment and letting the journey unfold in front of you. That's how to live in a loving relationship. Good. Well, let's pray. And so when we live in those loving relationships, when our hearts are driving us, then we do notice, we feel compassion, we feel empathy. We're able to respond to the needs of people. And we do open ourselves to the needs of our world at the moment. We see the brokenness. And without judgment, we respond with love. We think of those living in war zones in Syria and all over the world. We pray for those people living in fear and we pray that our lives may be appropriate to helping them. We pray for those who are hungry and those in prison. Pray for those who are angry and unable to deal with the situations in their lives. Pray for those who are in hospital at the moment. Pray for all our leaders around the world that the loving nature, which is the evolution of who we are as humanity, will enter into their hearts and enable our world to become a more loving place. And we pray that we may be appropriate to having that situation come about. And particularly pray for those who are in or around our community. We pray particularly for Paul Mayer, Kristen's husband, who went into hospice care this week. We think of both Paul and Kristen. We think of Patricia Hill. Father Joseph Boyle. We think of Martha Martin and Sophie Layton. And we particularly think of those who we know that are not on this list, who are in our hearts. People going into hospital this week pray for the care of the doctors and care will be around them and people we know who are in difficult situations. We just take a moment to remember them in our hearts now.